0: Hello, and welcome to The Book Forge. I'm Millie Hill, and I'm working on my fourth non non-fiction book and sharing the process with you, from the initial proposal all the way to publication and beyond. As I research the book, I'll be talking to a variety of book authors, writers, and experts on women's health. This podcast is part of my substack, The Book Forge, where you can subscribe and follow my research and writing progress. This week in the Book Forge, I'm talking to Claire Baker, menstrual coach, speaker, and author of 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods. Claire has taught women how to live in harmony with their cycle for nearly a decade and runs a variety of online courses and workshops, including Adore Your Cycle. You can find out more at clairebaker.com. Yeah, I'm doing this thing where I'm recording um, my progress as I write my fourth Mm -hmm. book. So um, I thought it would be interesting to do for me, but also Mm. for other people, hopefully uh, in terms of kind of like a lot of people sort of say to me, how do you write a book? You probably get the same thing because I know you've written a book. So I just thought it would be cool to kind of um, take people on that journey from right from the very start all the way through to publication. Um, So I've got this little um, substack called the Book Forge because I live in an old forge as well. that's why I've written all three of my books, I realized recently, I was like, oh, that's cool, actually. I made my books in a forge. Love that. <laughs> but, um, and so, yeah, I I would like to start, um, another thing, that I, another reason why I did it is because I find when I write anything, like even if it's just like a 1500 word article, I end up finding out loads of stuff mm. and talking to loads of people. And then you have to yes. kind of like condense it all down into this 1500 words And all of that material is just gone. So I was thinking it might be another Mm. really nice thing to do to kind of record conversations, record, you know, Mm. um, rabbit. You kind of go down rabbit holes. Like this week, I've been going down rabbit holes around the number 13 and Mm. all kinds of stuff. And you think, I can't get, I can't put all of this in the book because it's not about all of this, but, you know, it's still interesting. So that's why I wanted to record our chat today because I'd like to add a podcast to the um substack but I haven't actually managed to work out quite how to well I don't want to sound completely tech phobic because I'm not actually at all but I mean I haven't ever done a podcast so it's a bit of a kind of like learning curve
1: <laughs> I love it I think it's great to provide people with different ways of receiving information as well like some people love reading and will happily read the 1500 piece like article yeah. but for others they're going to be more interested in, in listening and um and watching you speak as well so I think having the different formats is actually
0: a really great service
1: to your community how have you found Substack I've been tempted to try it but I just haven't done it yet
0: yeah I really like it actually I've had a Substack um a different Substack for about um a year or so um because I that's how I kind of started out writing was through blogging
1: on Mm. Blogger
0: um Mm -hmm. literally like Decades. Well, when was it? Like um, sort of 15 years ago or something. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I don't think people. I don't know if people still use things like blogger, but for me, it was like a bit like resurrecting that idea. And yeah. I just really like um, the freedom of being able to write about whatever I like and not having to pitch to anyone or yeah. answer to anyone. And then you know, not being edited as well as kind of. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not being negative about being edited because actually, quite often it's a really good thing because. Mm you know I'm not perfect and somebody else coming in brings something etc and it's great but on the other hand sometimes it's really devastating because you're like oh you know I spent ages on that and that paragraph was like my favorite bit you know I was really thrilled with that paragraph and now you've chopped it all out (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and something's just inappropriate on different platforms I suppose as well that's what I've found with learning I guess with yeah my small experience I've had with publishing and um, and in print media, there's just some things that just aren't appropriate. And so it's like nice to be able to have a space to share them where yeah you, know, you don't have to censor everything. I um yeah, I was not quite 15 years, about 10 years ago, I started blogging, which is about 10 years this month, actually. So, yeah, I too have those like nostalgic feelings for the way we used to connect in the blogging days like writing comments on people's blog posts Mm. and like building community that way and I have yeah I have been tempted by Substack for that reason I just haven't devoted any time to it yet
0: yeah I definitely recommend it I mean yeah it's good to know yeah it's um it is it's nice to have that freedom and it's you know it's, it's exactly like blogging really in the sense that you know what you what you start you have to trying to try and sustain so I think that's my only advice would be think about what you actually want to do so if you if you think oh I really love writing you know 8,000 word long form you know essays then fine Mm. but don't do one the first week and then yeah (laughs) Christ (laughs) I've got to do another one you know Um, (laughs) no I don't think I've
1: got quite that in me but um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's something of that going on definitely that you need to kind of think and so yeah for, for me the idea of writing alongside the creation of the book is quite nice because mm. I feel like I can just summarize mm. what I'm doing and I haven't yes. got to necessarily write some amazing article every week because I can't mm. do that and write a book either yeah but- yeah and I can
1: say there's so much overflow when you're writing a book like there's so many bits of writing that don't make it there's like you know these conversations there's all of these other ideas that are spiraling out that maybe aren't relevant to that book but could be used yeah elsewhere that's yeah. of capturing them all.
0: Which is why I'm talking to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think I asked Jane um, mm-hmm. Hardwick Collings, um, who is a hero, a heroine of mine, um, mm. to, okay. I, I was looking for um, people who are doing different things with menstrual blood actually was one of the things I was interested in, because mm-hmm. The, the, the chapter I'm working on is about periods and it's kind of about the whole book really is and I'm, I'm not sort of being too specific about what the book is just yet because I'm not really allowed to be. But let's say it's kind of like a reframe of women's biological lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment, I'm writing about periods and mm-hmm. um, the stigma around periods and how that kind of impacts on us personally. It's one of the, I mean, I, I don't know where you're coming from. I, I'm ashamed to say that I haven't read your book.
1: That's okay. <laughs> I'll send you a copy.
0: I'd love, to, I'd love that. <laughs> Tell me about your book, first of all and, um, mm. you. um
1: My book, so 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods is a really like, I guess it's really like a beginner's 101 to my work. So my work is focused on um, the menstrual cycle on the whole. And teaching women how to understand what's happening in each phase of their menstrual cycle so that they can live in greater congruence with it, essentially. So, we definitely there's a focus on menstruation, but I'm really interested in the whole menstrual cycle and how people's strengths and vulnerabilities show up in different phases and how we can, like, you know, feel great about having a menstrual cycle, really feel like Mm. it's something that we can be. you know I'm not saying that it's like unicorns and like roses and not happy (laughs) all of the time but that it's certainly not the burden or the curse that we were taught that it was and so in the book cover the like basic hormonal um, fluctuations and changes but I don't stay there for too long because I honestly don't my personal belief and my experience with clients is that people don't need to become like experts on the endocrine system in order to implement this knowledge in their lives they really Mm -hmm. just need to learn how to chart their cycle and how to figure out like how they feel on certain days how to take care of themselves where their vulnerabilities lie and, and what you know how they can work with those and then I go into each phase and what the potential strengths and vulnerabilities might be in each phase how to how to work with that. So that's the premise of the book. And it sort of is the like entry point for um, a, a wider body of work that I have built that does. Yeah, is like I said, some things weren't always not always appropriate to go into those books because they can be a bit more weird and um and out there. But you know, I like to play in the like spiritual realms of menstruation as well as the really practical grounded. Mm. Just how to how to live in a body that bleeds. So yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know if you know that I've done a book for uh, preteen girls about menstruation. I've seen um, that. Yeah, and I was thinking about it um today actually, and how. And I was thinking, I can't believe I managed to get the bit about putting your giving plants your period blood yeah. past <laughs> the editors. <laughs> But it was quite funny when I did because they were, they didn't really have, they couldn't really come up with an argument against Mm. why it couldn't go in apart from periods are disgusting and they weren't allowed to say that.
1: (laughs) It's so funny. My editor flagged me on that exact point, actually, and was really like, mmm can we say you know this and I can't I don't think it went in in the end I think that was actually something that they pulled me up on it was quite a few things it was a real like lesson it was yeah it was an experience for me definitely yeah
0: it does so many years of writing
1: whenever I want (laughs) to go through traditional publishing I was like oh I can't say a lot of things yeah okay interesting
0: Yeah, well, I think I won the argument by pointing out that you could go to the garden centre and buy blood to put on your plants. of
1: course, nitrogen Um, people. (laughs) And they were like,
0: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's literally (laughs) called
1: blood and bone. (laughs) Exactly. But,
0: yeah, this whole stigma around periods is so fascinating, isn't it? And um, Mm. I've just been writing a bit about, you know, Pliny and uh, Aristotle and... menotoxins and all of Mm. these uh things you know that ought to be relegated to ancient history but are still Mm. kind of um pervading Mm. aren't they so why do you think um why do you think that we still have these Mm. uh, hang-ups about menstruation and what can Mm. women do about it
1: yeah i really think that a lot um of it does stem from very um, ancient, like uh, particularly religious groups and, and traditions, I mean, pretty much every like religion in some way or another has some like negative teaching around menstruation or some taboo or fear associated with it, some kind of like curse or supersti- superstition. And I think that definitely has... Remained in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, it seems to be so universal as well, which is so interesting that it's not just in Western societies and cultures where often like female bodies have been um. Yeah, I think often in West, it's easy to think that it's just in Western cultures where women have been uh this idea about how our body should or shouldn't be or how we should or shouldn't behave but I, it's, it's so pervasive um, yeah. and that I find really interesting is that I work with women from all corners of the world and it's everywhere and so that is really interesting. There's definitely something in there about the power that the female body holds and our the way that we have been designed to biologically and physiologically to create life and the mystery of that because there is so much it is it was incredibly mysterious of course science has been able to tell us what's happening in the body at conception but there's still just there is just a magic to it there is still just a magic that we can create life like I look at my girlfriends who are pregnant and I'm just like there's a baby in your belly, you know, it's unbelievable. And I think there's so much fear still around um, that power. Mm. And so there, what happens when there is great power? This is something that, you know, James says that I love is that like wherever there's, um, you know, like an, like an oppression or a suppression of, of power, like that's a clue, you know, look look into that. Why is that there? Why have we made menstruation yeah. so wrong? And dirty and shameful when actually it's a sign of fertility and um, yeah. the potential of life like
0: so thinking, yeah i was thinking about exactly that today because i was um i was reading about all the different sort of historical rumors about the powers of menstrual you know the negative um usually destructive or negative uh yeah. <laughs> potential <laughs> of a, a menstruating woman or and all her blood And I was thinking, I haven't actually started trying to research it yet, but I was thinking I am going to actually have a look and see if there are any similar, um, you know, myths and folklore Mm. around poo. Mm, I I bet there isn't. (laughs) I bet there isn't. I haven't looked, but I bet there isn't for the exact (laughs) reason that you just said, because there is no magical power to poo. No, there's not. (laughs) Apart from maybe growing roses. (laughs)
1: sure you know it feels good to do a good poo and it cleans the body out and it's yeah. great but everyone poos like not everybody yeah. bleeds exactly you know and yeah. so yeah I think that's um I, it is it's 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 just so it's so mysterious and I love that mystery of it but um if you yeah trying to control people then I think that's a really Great way to go about it is by creating fear in like the bodies of the people who are yeah. birthing like the world, <laughs> yeah. essentially. And so, what can people do about it? I mean, um, I really encourage women to go back and be curious about the messaging that they received about their bodies when they were growing up. Things that maybe they heard their mum say or girlfriends, what we learned in school, and you know, sex ed and just start to notice when um, we, be, uh, you know, not only this uh, most of the, the, most of the time it is often um, unhelpful or more negative um, messaging, but but also to pay attention to when that like curiosity began to spark for blood, because I think often there is a moment where we maybe we noticed our mom's tampons or we like became curious about blood or we had a desire for our period to actually start we were kind of like heard other friends who had started theirs and just to also notice that there was probably also like a, a curiosity and an excitement there as well alongside um you know some of the other messaging that we, that we might have received and just to zone back in on on any of those feelings that might have been there over the years um, and particularly to spend time with that like we do a lot of like inner child stuff in our like this you know self-help era that we're all in but I really love looking at like that menarche self like who were you when you began bleeding
0: mm-hmm. and
1: what kind of stuff were you into what things um, did you get excited about like what did you love to do and just by spending a bit more time with that part of yourself that that person that you were that girl when you began to bleed I have really noticed in clients and in myself there is a really beautiful healing that happens when we just go back and and begin to um, treat that part of ourselves with compassion and Mm -hmm. with kindness and curiosity and like can reconnect with with those with those things that we loved I really witnessed like a beautiful healing that can happen when we just shut out some of the messaging that we might have received at that time and actually zone back in on and who we were and um, reimagine that time for ourselves
0: yeah, I think that's really lovely, especially as um, the mum of two girls who are kind of around that age. I have a 12-year-old girl and a 14-year-old girl and a 9-year-old boy. But, you know, um, seeing them sort of uh, it's a start, you know, their periods is quite interesting mm-hmm. because they really are, it really is a kind of like a threshold mm-hmm. um, that you cross at that time mm-hmm. in your life. And you do change. It's. I don't really like the idea of telling girls oh you're a woman now because I think yeah. it's a bit intimidating and you know it's sort of it's not really true but yeah. it, it's at the same time there is something there in mm. as an external observer of of, of two young girls mm. going through that at the moment there is definitely um like I say like a threshold that you cross mm-hmm. and then once you're on the other side of that threshold do you do you are this kind of like for me, it's like looking at my 14-year-old especially. It's like I can see this new, I see her differently. She's like a new person just beginning. Mm. I mean her childhood, that real sort of girlhood is kind of over. Oh my God. That mm. made me cry. But you know <laughs> what I mean? There is that something there in that sort of um mm. like a like a new flower sort of just bursting into life where mm. you can yes. suddenly see her as an as a as an adult or the adult that she's becoming um and it is you can I can see the value that you're talking about in going back to that time in your own mind and thinking where what was I what did I want to burst into at that moment you know what what, what did I where did I want to bloom
1: what did yeah. I want to bloom yeah what do I yeah who am I becoming how am I blooming yeah. <clears throat> there's a power that's awakening like you say it's not necessarily like an overnight transition from girl to woman that's mm. a bit naive but certainly there is a power that is building in the body. There's like a whole new, you know, there's a whole new system happening. There's like the body is working, the physical body is working differently. And so therefore, you know, the emotional body as well, creatively, like energetically, so much is changing at that time. I really imagine this visual of like my girlfriends and then my like boy mates at school, sort of being on this like similar path and then around about you know 13 14 whatever it was we were verging off like mm. just suddenly having these completely different hormonal experiences day to day particularly in those those years of high school like they're so tumultuous that like, they're just so full-on and so and just I love going back and just you know I found I found high school really hard and I love going back and reimagining just like giving myself this information that I have now, if I had it back then to just know that like for a week out of every month, for like all of those years of high school, I was experiencing premenstrual symptoms that I had no idea about or I had no idea how to, how to work with or manage or understand in any way. And so just being a bit more compassionate with, with like, you know, Menarche, Claire has, has been really helpful and just reimagining mm. how it might have been to have had this knowledge yes. that, um, yeah, our bodies were different. They were changing.
0: What do you think about the sort of uh, negative press, if you like, around, um, you know, women's behavior and emotions around menstruation? So okay, I'm thinking of my teenagers again. There's a lot of negative press mm-hmm. around, oh, you know, she's, she's, you know, going through puberty. But then women have that repeatedly all through their lives, really, don't they? Um, mm-hmm. every, every time we lose our shit it's mm. like oh you know you when's your period due kind of thing mm-hmm. so and mm. I find that quite belittling because it's mm. like actually now I'm losing my shit because you're really annoying not because yeah. <laughs> it's nothing to do with my period actually <laughs> but, um, but, but then on the other hand I'm not sort of naive to the fact that obviously hormones do impact us so what how do you mm. feel about all of yeah.
1: that yeah I see so when I'm working with somebody I see Um, with a client I see this like initial awakening to the fact that oh right like so there is this week where like I have been feeling really self-doubtful or really pissed off with my partner or just like wrapped with indecision and really emotional interior, and it makes sense hormonally I can see now that estrogen declines there's a rise in progesterone that hormone makes me feel more like introverted or cozy and actually I just want to be alone it's not about my family or about my job I just need some more time out and that is really useful information for people to realize like yeah. it's okay to change and to fluctuate and to feel like you need more time for yourself and maybe some of those like emotional outbursts or getting really angry and rageful and pissed off have been because we haven't had that had that awareness and then we have it and then we realize we're not crazy and then I also see um book and then sometimes happen is like Um, using the hormonal like the female hormonal cycle as like an excuse for um, as an excuse or as like as a put down a put down yeah exactly and there's a difference yeah there is a distinction between between the two and yeah it can become then a put down and I think that is interesting it raises questions about well is it bad to be angry like when did we make the emotion of anger or rage or frustration or, you know, when they're not, they're not bad. It's not bad to experience that doesn't make us bad people. And so a lot of the work that I do is often about like guiding women to, you know, in in, in a safe and healthy way, like explore those feelings and allow, like love them, like embrace them, integrate them, allow them to be there. Because when they are given space to actually like be felt, then they don't tend to, um, you know, they don't become debilitating. They don't like yeah. take over because it is like that, particularly that premenstrual week. Um, and often for women who have premenstrual dysphoric disorder, it is completely debilitating. And those like, you know, huge emotional reactions or depression and anxiety really make it very hard to live with a menstrual cycle. Um, but I have noticed that, um, you know, it's actually, it's actually a, it's a strength for us to be able to be angry sometimes there's stuff to be angry about and then there are times when we need to set boundaries and when we actually need to say no and take care of ourselves and have a backbone and like actually just protect ourselves and that doesn't make us a bitch it just you know we're we're listening to to ourselves in a way that sometimes when we're overloaded with estrogen we don't always you know yeah
0: yeah mm. so that's pretty interesting um one of the reasons why another reason why we we were um going to chat today was just this idea of like doing unusual things with your menstrual blood mm-hmm. <laughs> is that something that you um you do or you advocate for or can you tell me a bit about that?
1: <clears throat> yeah i would say that my um
0: this is apart from def- the pot plants of course which isn't unusual at all because you can buy it at the garden center exactly <laughs> we know.
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it's interesting i've definitely experimented with all sorts of like blood rituals i Um, for me there are certain things that are very much in my own personal practice that I don't actually teach or necessarily even recommend because they're so personal and I think every woman needs to come to their own experience of their menstrual blood Um, but I can definitely share like some of the things that I do do with you but Mm -hmm. they're not things that I would necessarily like tell someone else to do. Sure. Um, But I yeah, things that I have experimented with are things like um, uh, like rubbing the blood on my skin, whether that's like over my face or like anointing myself with blood when I'm bleeding. Um, in the shower, like really just washing the blood over my body. I really just like seeing the blood on my skin and like on my body and being really like intimately connected with it like that that's been really useful for me At the very beginning when I started using a menstrual cup it was like smelling it um just touching it like you know playing with it
0: Hmm.
1: um that's been that's been really fun for me I've made art with it before
0: when you say it's been useful just just to dig down into that a bit because if if anyone's listening to this um you know and who's quite sort of like surprised by these ideas Mm. it Mm -hmm. might be helpful to sort of say in what way it's been useful
1: I had I definitely had and I'm sure I still do actually as well some um beliefs about my blood that it was dirty or gross or smelly or like something wrong with it yeah um and actually very recently had an experience where I was at a, I was at a like an ecstatic dance um And I was bleeding and blood started running down my leg and I had that moment of panic of like oh my god like I'm bleeding in public and people can see it it's down my leg and um yeah it was just a little like huh isn't that interesting that is still there that just like absolute panic and like feeling mortified that someone might see that see blood and you know I I, I caught it but you know it's still there so for me the um Playing with it in a really curious, playful way has actually just helped me to realize that a, it's actually when it doesn't smell at all. When you know when your blood is fresh, it doesn't smell. Uh, it's only after it's been oxidized, sitting in a sanitary bin for ages, that it does. It's actually really cool, and the the texture of it is is really interesting, and it can it can tell us a lot about our health as well. But but even just the usefulness for me has just been recognizing that it's just a part of, it's a part of me and it's the colors beautiful, it's it's cool, it's fun to play with. It's something that felt really like intuitive and um quite natural actually. Like it doesn't feel weird yeah. to me at all. And that was that was interesting because it's like this should feel weird, right? People don't play with their menstrual blood. Mm-hmm. Um but actually it didn't doesn't feel yeah feel weird um so that's some that's been some fun playful things I've also explored um uh like using blood for manifestation practices so for a long time I would write down um things on a post-it note a few things that I was like calling into my life usually they were just a few words so maybe things like um, more love or playfulness or ease things like that and I would write them on a post-it note and then I'd pour my blood into a little I had a little chalice that I got in Glastonbury and I'd stick it next to my bed and stay there for a day or two and then I'd go pour the blood out on the garden I haven't done that for a long time but I enjoyed would you call that. that like
0: a blood prayer or how would you describe yeah,
1: that that sounds yeah that sounds nice definitely like a blood prayer yeah um and again, it's just, re- I would recognize as I was writing things down and sticking my blood there that this is like, <clears throat> you know, our menstrual fluid is, is the uterine lining that is there to support new life. And it has all of those, you know, nourishing um, qualities and the magical qualities to it, the mysterious qualities to it. And just, you know, with, you know, using the intent power of intention to, um, you know, to fuel that blood into what it was that I wanted to create. And even when I do pour my blood on the garden or on the plants now, which is more what I do these days, actually, I don't play with um, my blood quite the same way anymore. I, you know, I went through a real experiments, experimental stage with it. Now I feel at the moment I'm I'm not so in that phase, but I always pour my blood out on the garden. And even when I do that, I just, you know, I say a couple of prayers for for myself for the planet for the next menstrual cycle i often work with intention when i'm bleeding and journaling a lot on what it is that i want to create in this next menstrual cycle and i'm you know checking in with that intention at ovulation and different points in the menstrual cycle because it is a creative process that we can use to birth and create human life but i really believe that we can also channel that into our into our lives as well so um have you, you
0: ever been able and- to have you ever? Um, been able to find anything out um, about other cultures or women in history doing anything similar. Mm. Um, it feels like the history of menstruation is really um, mm. covered up really because it yeah, seems it's been a such question. a taboo. I just wondered if you'd ever come across anybody, any any rituals or anything?
1: Nothing that springs to mind right now. Um, no more like you know you hear about ideas about you know menstruation awakening in the body and the kind of path of menstruality but actual specific blood rituals yeah less so i know that tantric practices do include like menstruation and also like um like semen in different rituals as well like in terms of those like life-giving yeah um, bodily fluids but i'm not super familiar with
0: that's pretty interesting Exactly what those are so in a way it's it's we don't know the answer, maybe, or maybe somebody does, but in some ways, maybe what you're doing is something new for women. Or is it something really yeah. old and ancient that women have I always I think maybe it's been both. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think because it feels so intuitive. Like I said, I've just played with it. Um, I do actually think it's like a remembering of yeah. how we might have been with our blood before um, collecting it, you know having reverence for it yeah using it in in rituals and practices and I don't making, think that's new
0: making art with it must be yeah. ancient because yeah you know a long time so. ago it would have been very difficult to get Definitely. harder to get anything that you could paint with wouldn't it yes. so you'd think that women would have thought oh I could paint yeah. with this absolutely Uh, but then it probably wouldn't have survived I suppose
1: no it doesn't it doesn't survive very well we'll say that it's sort of you know but that's that's not the point I'm not you know creating art to necessarily like keep it forever but um again just like what it's just like for me it's just having that um attitude of curiosity and playfulness and experimenting like yeah this be like you know and, and if there is feelings of like shame or disgust like just allowing them to be there as well like not making ourselves wrong but also having some like hesitation or feeling like this is a bit weird that's okay too
0: yeah it's it's kind of like a making peace with it really isn't it yeah you know in a culture where you know it is thought, still thought to be something that should be mm. kept hidden mm. a lot of the time um, we've mm. only just gone past the blue liquid haven't we and
1: oh my gosh yeah uh, on the adverts right. yeah. yeah
0: so maybe it's yeah. that's what it is it's like a you know like a remembering and a connecting and a kind of making yes.
1: peace with it I had to use a tampon recently because I was in Australia and I completely forgot to pack my cup or any of my reusable pads which I usually use and have been using now for a really long time and I used a tampon and I haven't used one of those in god about eight years I think and it was so incredible the different relationship I had with my blood that cycle because yeah. you really do just pop it in it absorbs it and then you stick it in the bin and there's there was just no contact <laughs> with my blood at all I was like, yeah oh, this is so different and it really reminded me how much actually using a menstrual cup and using reusable pads have has helped me because every month you know I have to wash my pads I'm mm. empty my cup like I'm interacting I'm engaging with it I'm yeah. not just flushing it away without thinking
0: about it do you have kids no Okay. No, that's when I changed my relationship with my right. menstrual blood was post baby. Obviously yeah. you have this bleed where, which is very heavy and goes on for, you know, a few weeks. Um, I think it's a few weeks. Mm. <laughs> I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like a few weeks. But it's like that whole, the whole of your sort of first time with your baby is, is, is it's part of that so yeah it's this really magical time in your life where you're meeting this new person and you and in the first baby you've just become a mother but mm. it's also kind of very bloody all the time and mm. and I had always used tampons prior to my first baby and then obviously had to confront this blood in a different way um and yeah, I actually really mm. liked it. I was like, mm. this is cool, you know? It's like the, the the smell of it even just was very intertwined with the new baby smell and my bonding with my baby and that whole experience. Yes. So Beautiful. that was for me a, a time of sort of making peace with, mm. with with the menstruation really. And from that point on, I, I started using pads and cloth pads because mm. I liked, you know, I felt more friendly towards it.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. I've actually never heard anybody describe that time in that way uh, and okay. makes a lot of sense though it makes yeah. a lot of sense yeah because it's not like you can use yeah tampons no you can't use tampons no. so no um, yeah and yeah it's
0: it's really weird and, and kind of cool. Mm-hmm. anyway my time is about mm-hmm. to run out mm-hmm. um but I don't know if you can see the, the timer I can yes <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But it's been really cool talking to you.
1: And you, yeah, really into what you're creating here.
0: Thanks. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Still in its infancy. (laughs) But yeah, hopefully we'll get there. Um, But it's really, really helpful to talk to you. And um, I'll I'll ping you a message when we finish just to get some um, info about your book and stuff. And then I can put it, if I do manage to turn this into the first ever Bum, ba, da, bum, podcast yeah. <laughs> then um i can you know point people towards your book and your Amazing. work thanks for listening to the book forge you can find out more about me my existing three non-fiction books and my progress on book four via my sub stack the book forge just go to thebookforge.substack.com you can subscribe for free But if you want to support my work and get access to every single post, please consider a paid subscription.